you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we'll begin at verse 22 and read tonight through verse 27. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our Lord endures forever. You may be seated. It's been a few weeks since we've been in John's gospel. And the last time we were here in John chapter 6, we saw Jesus walking on water. We know that Jesus compelled his disciples to get into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. And in the middle of the night, after a, a strong storm had come, they saw a figure walking on the water. And we heard and saw the fear of the disciples, fear of fishermen who had encountered such storms before, but not a figure walking upon the water. But then we also heard of their gladness when Jesus allayed their fears and says, it is I, do not be afraid. They then gladly took him into the boat and immediately they were on the other side. They were at the land to which they were going. And so not only that text, but the first part of John chapter 6, where we saw Jesus feeding the 5,000, all of that sets the stage for the rest of this chapter and for what we find and hear Jesus saying to the crowd here this evening. He tells them to labor not for food that perishes. And often in this life we labor tirelessly at our employments. There are times in our labor that it is noticed and it is praised by men. There are other times where we labor with no recognition for men. We do all our labor for the glory of God in Christ, but often in this life we work too much and too long at the expense of our families and those that we love. In 1956, there was a commemorative stamp issued 
And on that stamp was a picture of a strong man holding a a sledgehammer, a pick, a hoe, and an axe over his shoulder. Beside him was his wife, seated by his side with a book in her lap, showing a a small child how to read. And in the lower left-hand corner of the stamp were the words, Labor is life. Now what was that stamp communicating? Well, it was communicating that without industrious labor, there would be no life, no means to, to feed, to clothe, to, to house, and even to educate a family. And, and there is truth in that. We are called to labor for the Lord, wherever the Lord has placed us. But we must labor in this life with balance. Many times we are laboring, we are working for things that perish. For things that have no eternal significance. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes reminds us how everything that we have in this life, when we die, it will be given to someone else. We know that we cannot take what God has given us from this life into the next. And so Jesus, as the crowds again come to him, he, he wants them to see how they are are laboring not for spiritual things, but merely for physical things. They merely want more bread. So there are three things we see here tonight. First, we have the context. Jesus, in our text, he gives two commands, but we begin with the context by which we find Jesus giving these two commands in verses 22 through 26. In verse 22, we read on the next day. What day is that? Well, the day after Jesus walked on water, the day after the disciples brought him in, the day after he fed the 5,000. On that next day, the crowd remained on the other side of the sea. They, They saw, they remembered that there had only been one boat there. That Jesus had not entered the boat. Yet at the same time, they could not find him on that side. He had not entered the boat of the, with the disciples. His disciples had, had gone away. And, and they went to Capernaum seeking. Other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they had eaten the bread. That, uh, after the Lord had given thanks. And so they see the disciples are not there. Jesus is not there. And so they go seeking the Lord. Now, as we're going to see in a moment, why are they seeking him? Well, they're not seeking him from a pure heart. Jesus will reveal their heart to them. He knows the hearts of all men and he will reveal that to them. And so in verse 25, they find Jesus on the other side of the sea. And they say, Rabbi, teacher, when did you get here? When when did you come here? The question in and of itself implies that they were quite surprised at finding the Lord there. Again, they had not seen him enter the boat. They knew the disciples went off by themselves. and, And they were not able to understand how the Lord could possibly get to Capernaum if he did not get into the boat with his disciples. 
Now, as they ask the question, they expect the Lord to answer it. But he doesn't. He knew their hearts. He knew the state of mind of those who asked the question. He knew that it would be of no use to tell them how he got there. And so he speaks in verse 26 and he answers them, but he doesn't answer the question. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now we know earlier in John's gospel, people were flocking to Jesus. Why? Because of the miracles. Because of the signs he was doing. They were coming merely for a miracle or or a sign. Jesus here rebukes them. They're not even coming for a sign. You can almost say, well, it's worth coming to Jesus to see a miracle, but they're not even doing that. They just want more food. They had their stomach filled by way of a miracle, and they they just wanted more food. And they were wanting food that perishes and really does them little good. Now we might think, well, we need our daily bread, and we, we have our daily bread. We pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We have an abundance, our daily bread. And so he rebukes them. He knew their hearts. He knew that their motive was not pure. It was a a lower and more carnal motive even than those who were coming just to see the signs. They merely wished to be fed again with fish and loaves. They, They wanted to get something more out of the Lord. But not which that that which he was giving. They'd been fed once by him. They wanted to be fed Again, And they were seeking Jesus, but they were not seeking Jesus for the sake of Jesus. Augustine said, how seldom is Jesus sought for the sake of Jesus. And so they were seeking him, but not not because of what they, they needed spiritually, but what they thought he would give them physically. And so that is the context. And in verse 27, Jesus then gives them two commands. The first is negative. Labor not for food that perishes. Do not work for the food that perishes. We see here that we are not to labor exclusively or excessively for the satisfaction of our bodily wants. For that food only perishes in the using and and only does us very little good. It does us good, but not as much as what we are to labor for. Jesus reminds us that the things of this world will one day perish. Everything that we hold dear, our, our homes, our cars, everything that we have will one day perish. And he reminds us we are not to be laboring exclusively for those things that perish. Now, at the same time, we're not to misunderstand our Lord. He is not encouraging idleness. We know that labor was ordained and was the appointed lot of Adam in paradise. Even before the fall, God commanded Adam to, to tend the garden. 
Now, before the fall, that work was pleasant. There were no thorns. There were no briars to be cut on. There was nothing dying in the garden. It was just a matter of, of Adam going out and picking the fruit and doing all that was required and what God had given to him. But after the fall, the labor became harder. Part of the curse of man would be the fact that now his working, his laboring would be difficult. The things would die. Animals would die. Plants would die. There would be weeds and thorns and briars that would kill the plants that men needed for food. But it was still ordained, labor was still ordained to be man's occupation after the fall. We know from Scripture as well that we will be laboring in the new heavens and the new earth. We don't know exactly what that will be like. We will not be angels sitting upon our clouds playing a harp. We'll be working. We'll be laboring with and for the Lord, tending to what He has given to us. It will be a good labor. And so labor is honorable for all men. That's why Paul gives the warning, if a man doesn't work, he is not to eat. And so Jesus is not saying, do not labor, do not work. He's saying, do that with the right perspective. What the Lord does is rebuke the excessive attention to labor, to labor for things that are good for the body while the soul is neglected. Now, this prevails everywhere in the world. It prevails in the church sometimes. You've heard me use this example before. I'll use it again. We probably all know of folk who have moved away from maybe this church or another church because they had a greater opportunity to make more money somewhere else. And yet, they didn't check to see what type of churches were in the area. If there was even a good church to go to, but they would take the job, worry about the church later, and some of them moved and they found there was no church and they just stopped going. That's what Jesus is warning against. We're not to labor for those things merely for the body. Jesus is rebuking the common habit of laboring only for the things of, of time, letting uh, go of the things of eternity, of mining, uh, minding only the life that now is and not really thinking or caring about the life that is to come. Now this is what most men do in this world. They labor night and day for food that perishes. And they do nothing for their, their souls. They do nothing to prepare their souls for heaven. And so those who are truly happy and blessed in this life are those who give the first and best place uh, in their thoughts to salvation. This is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 tells us what? To seek first the kingdom of God. And as we do that, all the other things will be added to us. And so that's the negative. We are not to labor for those things that perish. But then the second part is the positive. We are to labor for food or for bread which endures to everlasting life. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. 
For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Jesus wants us to work hard to find food and satisfaction for our souls. And not only does he want us to work hard to find it, he provides it. It comes from his hand. Now, how do we do this? Well, let me give you the thoughts of, of J.C. Ryle. He gives us five or six ways that we can labor in the way that Christ tells us to labor for those things that endure to eternal life. First, we are to labor in all the appointed means. What are the means that Christ has given? Well, sitting under preaching, and that happens in the worship of God. Prayer, that happens in the worship of God. And we can pray in our homes. And the administration of the sacraments, that happens again in the worship of God. Do you see what we're saying? That we are to be in the worship of God as we are tonight. This is where you find the appointed means of, of our Lord. And so if we want to labor for that food, and you're here tonight, and obviously you do want to labor for that, that spiritual food, then we come and we, we worship God together. Second, we're called to read the Word like men digging for hidden treasure. There are many who might go out with, with a metal detector and they are going back and forth. What are they hoping to find? Well, treasure. And the Word of God is filled with, with treasure and we are to go out and we are to read the Word. We are to dig into the Word. If we do this, then we, we are working, we are laboring for that which leads to eternal life. Third, we are called to wrestle earnestly in prayer. Ryle goes on, he says, like, like a man contending with a deadly enemy for life. We are to labor in prayer. We pray with and for one another, for the church. We, we are to be praying daily and, and without ceasing. Fourth, we are called to take our whole heart to the house of God to worship and hear like those who listen to the reading of a will because when a will is read all family members are listening closely aren't they what did he leave me well what has God left us he has left us many treasures the treasures of of his word and and we know that as we come into the house of God, when we come to worship, we are to do so with our whole hearts. Fifth, we are called to fight daily against the sin, the world, and the devil, like those who fight for liberty and must conquer or be slaves themselves. We have enemies. Sin, the world, and the devil. All three are fighting against us. We are, are to fight against them with every part of our being and our soul. And, and, and so these are the ways we are to walk if we would find Christ and be found of Him. This is what Jesus is telling us tonight. This is the laboring that we are to be doing. We are not to work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life which Christ Himself gives to us. And why is that? Because God the Father has set His seal on God the Son. 
Now this was very important for those who were listening to the words of our Lord. Again, many of them were either coming to see miracles or coming because they had their hunger filled, their bellies full. They get to see Him as, as the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one that God the Father had set His seal. And so Jesus, He's telling that crowd that He is the one whom the Father has set His seal on and He is the one whom the Father has approved all the work that he had done, was, do, was doing at that moment, and would do. Jesus also is telling the crowd that he is the only way to the Father. Now he will say that more clearly in, in the 14th chapter, verse 6. But he wants them to know, and he will continue in this in the coming weeks as we continue in this very important chapter of John's Gospel that He is the only way for man to have his sins forgiven. He is the bread of life. He is the way to have our, our spiritual hunger filled. And He is the only way. And so how do we apply this? Well, first of all, we take the words of Jesus and we listen to them and, and we labor for that food which endures to everlasting life. We're to be more concerned with our spiritual food than the food we have for our bodies. Yes, it's important to eat, but again, some of us could miss a few meals and not be hurt much at all. But there's a, a spiritual eating that we are to do next Sunday night. We will spiritually eat together. And one of the appointed means that Christ has left us, the Lord's Supper. We prepare our heart this week to come to the table to partake of that food, that bread. Which reminds us of the body of Christ given for us. That, that wine which reminds us of the blood of Christ shed for us. Now, at the same time, we're not to be idle in our vocation. We're to be busy with the work God has given us to do in this life. But we are not to make our vocation, our employment, the, the be-all and the end-all of life like so many people do. Money, wealth, cars, homes, they will all perish. But our bodies and our souls will live forever. And the only soul that is made alive in Christ will, will have, be that soul that will then have a glorified body that will live forever with Christ. We have not been redeemed with corruptible things. We have not been redeemed with silver or gold. We have not been redeemed, as Peter says, from, with corruptible things, silver or gold, from our aimless, aimless conduct, but we have been redeemed how? And with by what? By the blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now we hear that and we ask the question, how can we know tonight? How can we know whether we are enduring for the food which endures to everlasting life? Well, what do you set your heart on? The things of this world or the things of God? Now, one way that people know what we set our hearts on this life is by what they read on our tombstones. 
And so what will it say on yours? Alexander the Great on his tombstone read, A tomb now suffices for him whom the world was not enough. He wanted more of the world. That is the epitaph of a man who labor for food which perish. One who labors for spiritual food, we, we hope and pray, would read something like this. Here lies one who labored for his king, the Lord Jesus, and his labor was not in vain, but endures to everlasting life. That's the laboring that counts. That's the laboring that will be remembered forever, maybe not by people on this earth, but by the Lord himself. And may this be said of all who die in Christ, who endure to the end of this life, so that we are joyous partakers of eternal life in Christ. And so to labor for food that does not perish, it means that we must have faith in Christ. Now what is faith? Again, let me give you the words of J.C. Ryle. He said, faith is the hand by which we lay hold of Christ. The eye by which we look to Him, the mouth by which we feed on Him, and the foot by which we run to Him. Robert Rayburn said this, Faith is taking God and Christ at their word and living in confidence of that truth. Are you doing that tonight? Do you take God and Christ at their word and then live in the confidence of the truth of God's word? Are you feeding upon Christ? Do you know Him? Have you trusted in Him and Him alone? Look down at verse 40. We'll get to these words in the coming weeks. But in verse 40, we read this. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. This is the will of God the Father that all whom He chose would come to faith in Christ. Would look upon the Son in faith and believe solely in Jesus. And if one does that, what do they have? They have eternal life. And what will happen at the last day? He will be raised up by Christ. Raised up to a a life that will never again end. Where we will have the best of food, of bread, of meat, of wine, forever with our Lord. Where we will labor for Him in the new heavens and the new earth with joy in our hearts, with praise upon our lips. If we labor for food that perishes, we will not know of that which awaits. But if we labor for food that leads to eternal life, that endures, Christ says, not just leads, but endures to eternal life, then that is the promise that God has made to us. And so do you have faith tonight? If not, then come to Christ. Turn from your sins. Do not be like the crowd that followed Him to the other side of the lake, only wanting more bread to eat and more fish to eat. 
Come to Him and have your spiritual hunger and thirst filled. Because that spiritual hunger and thirst is more important than any physical hunger or any physical thirst that we might have in this life. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Lord God, we come now and we ask and pray that we would not labor for those things that will one day go away. That we would not be like the crowd who merely came to seek Jesus, not to seek Him for eternal life, but simply to seek Him because they ate their fill of the loaves and the fish. Lord, give us a proper perspective this evening. The vocation You have given us, may we do it to Your honor and glory, but may we do it with a right balance in life. May we understand that there is a better and a greater work that we are to do and that work that we are to do is that work for your kingdom. Oh, may we work for that food that endures to eternal life. Father, I pray for any who may be here this evening that this moment in time, they do not have eternal life. That even now, by way of your spirits, that you would apply what has been said to them. You would show them their sin and their need of Christ, and not only show them that, but bring them to Christ. Give them a new heart. May they cry out unto the Lord Jesus for salvation in faith as they turn from their sin. And we know if they do that, then you will not turn them away. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.